ten. Dollar. Sports. All right, everybody. Welcome to the ten dollar sports podcast, season one, episode one. NFL Championship Weekend. We're really excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. I know uh, most of you guys have been following us on Twitter, so we thank you for that. We're finally getting to recording our first podcast episode. Uh, wanted to open up with just telling you what we're about. Of course, can't do that without introducing my awesome co-host out of Tampa, Florida, Michael Emrod Rodriguez. How are you doing, Michael? It's been a while since I've seen you. Um, I'm over here in Austin, Texas. How are things in Tampa? Hey, things are going good so far here in Tampa, Moose. Um, weather is great. Can't complain. Um, everything else is just going good. Um, you know, everybody, thanks for following us on Twitter. Thanks for your likes. Uh, we definitely look forward to, you know, bringing you guys some sports coverage, helping you guys make some money on your sports bet, fancy football, and just talking about sports in general. I hope, you know, we'll be inter- as entertaining as Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah those right. guys out there. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, probably one of my least favorite guys to follow. Unfortunately, he, he has some good points every once in a while, but uh, you know, the, I think you and I both like our Colin Cowards, and uh, the, I'm loving Mad Dog and a few of the guys on there. Uh, wanted to talk about kind of over an overview of our podcast and what we're hoping to accomplish. Emrod um, uh, and I are both big sports fans, and I don't think I introduced myself. I'm Josh the Moose Red, uh, Rivera, and I'm out of Austin, Texas, a longtime uh, Tampa resident, uh, moving out here for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, still a big Tampa sports fan, and that's something that Emrod and I both have in common and, and growing up together, just big Tampa sports fans in general. Uh, so one of the big goals that we want to accomplish for our podcast is covering major sports. Uh, typically, we'll mirror what's in season. So right now, our big focus is finishing up the football season, and uh, we'll transition. You know, once the Super Bowl passes, uh, getting ready for baseball season. We'll cover NBA and hockey as well. I'm a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Michael holds it down uh, with following the NBA, and then. Uh, We'll get ready for Rays season. We, we don't really know what to expect from the Rays. We definitely were surprised last year with a 91 season out of nowhere. Couldn't tell you who's on the team or who isn't on the team anymore. That They seem to be making all sorts of crazy moves. All I know, apparently, Michael, is that we're not getting a stadium anymore in Ebor. And I think well, we'll be focusing, too, on Tampa sports if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we got the Buccaneers. We got the draft coming up in a few months. I'll definitely... Um, Moose and I definitely are, you know, the team that we both hold dear to our heart is definitely Tempe Buccaneers. We love football. I've been in many football games together, and it's probably about 70% of our conversations together is about football. So um, we don't. Good, good or mostly bad. Mostly bad, angry at the direction of the team is going. But I, I think we're both in agreement that we're excited about the Bruce Arians hire. And, uh, and even uh, Byron Leftwich coming on board as well as offensive coordinator. Absolutely. We definitely do have a coach now that does have some experience and has experience and worked with great quarterbacks. I mean, he worked with Ed Roethlisberger. He's worked with Andrew Luck. Um, he definitely revived Carson Palmer's career, and hopefully he can do the same in here and revive Jameis Winston's career, which Jameis Winston someone I've never been too fond of since day one. I think he had a lot of accuracy issues and poor decision-making, you know, and, 
and that's all the off the field stuff aside. Just as a football player, I think he's I think he's compassionate, and I think he does bring energy to the locker room, which is great and it's intangible. But I think he can make better decisions on the field. Um, but not just about the Buccaneers, as we were saying, we talk about all sports, Rays, um, Lightning. Uh, we'll definitely they'll talk about USF football here and there. Um, Moose is actually a graduate of the University of Notre Dame, so we'll definitely be talking about Notre Dame on this podcast as well. And go Irish, especially after that, what looks like a, a lot better of a loss to Clemson. Uh, I know when I was leaving the Cotton Bowl, I, I, I couldn't even believe, uh, and just listening to talk radio for that following week was brutal. But it, it was great to see them put a thumping on Alabama and, and almost validate that Notre Dame loss as like, oh, well, maybe no- Notre Dame kind of deserved to be there. So we'll, we'll cover the Irish. We'll cover uh, Michael's alma mater, uh, USF, as well. Uh, they're an up-and-coming program uh, kind of out of the group of five uh, with Charlie Strong leading the way there. Uh, I think one of our kind of our hobbies that we've picked up uh, both together again it, amateur sports betting and you know you may follow a few twitters out there or twitter accounts where oh we've had a free pick and we've got a system uh, i think Embrod and i will never claim to have an amazing system that that is going to guarantee you money we, we kind of do it as a pastime uh you know sometimes we just kind of go with our gut uh i think we both work in jobs that focus on data and we know the importance of data, especially in sports, and, and that's becoming even more present, not just in baseball, but even other sports. But sometimes you just go with your gut, and we'll put that on Twitter and, and see what happens. I think a great example is uh, we actually hit our first $10 parlay. I, I was out at a hockey game up in Dallas a few days ago watching the Lightning in town, and part of me was like, you know what, let, let, let's see who's on the docket picked the six teams that I thought were going to win. And unbelievably they pulled it out a few of them in overtime and one of them in a shootout uh, and shootouts are either way. So I was, I was grinding my teeth. I couldn't believe when uh, the King, when the wild beat the Kings in a shootout, that was, I was so happy. I was like, yes, we hit the parlay. Uh, So almost $180 there on a six pick parlay. And I think Michael's a big fantasy football buff, and he'll likely be leading the charge with our fantasy coverage in the upcoming months. Yeah, I definitely do my homework. I take my time. It's something that's always been a big hobby of mine, fantasy football. It's been great. I've won several championships, made a lot of money on it. And I don't want to say I have a system. I don't really have. It's, you know, there's analytics. Like Moose was talking about earlier, we don't have a system. We don't have analytics. Even though we know analytics are important, we definitely do keep it in mind. But uh, we strike more on analytics and just seeing how things work out. Uh, but, you know, I've definitely been giving you guys some fancy football pointers. Uh, one of my special, not my special, but one of my uh, talents, so to speak, another word for it, is finding players that kind of keep on revenge and keep on lookout. Um, just to go back, you know, I did win a big league one year, and I had um, Ezekiel and David Johnson. It was that year where Ezekiel was supposed to be suspended, so I was able to snag him in the second round. And David Johnson got hurt in the first, and I was able to win because I had Adam Cavera on my bench with a famous start. Um, so definitely good at keeping uh, people on my bench like that. I recommend some sleepers and some wire wire claims, and I'll definitely be sharing that with you all. 
Yeah, and I have to speak to from experience. Michael's saved my butt a few times uh, making some decisions. He's usually the guy I call when I when I'm drafting or or when I'm out. Like, oh man, uh, someone of course got hurt. Who who's the sleeper? Uh, and Rod's usually the guy with the answer to that. So we're excited to be working together. We'll be covering our league as well. We we have a mutual league that we're in. Uh, of course, we're like many of you guys. I'm sure you guys are in multiple leagues. However, uh, we have one big league that that him and I share. So we'll kind of go through our experience on that. Excited. Uh, there's definitely some possibilities of covering the draft live, maybe on a podcast or maybe do, doing some analysis afterwards uh, to see who uh, maybe doing some grades on picks, even though I don't know if I would trust Emron's judgment. He gave me a hard time about picking Antonio Brown over uh, David Johnson. Uh, and, and Antonio Brown was probably one of the, the player other than a quarterback scoring the most points in the league this year. Uh, so I'll, I'll let him speak to that a little bit. Yeah, Moose had the second round of, uh, second pick of the draft, and he went Antonio Brown over Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, and David Johnson, who I thought were you know kind of no-brain second-round picks. But uh, I guess in hindsight, it actually worked out his favor because David Johnson had a terrible year. Um, Le'Veon Bell... Um, we know the story of Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Antonio Brown ended up being a fantastic pick at number two. And I probably still would have gone with Ezekiel Elliott, but hey, it still worked out in his favor. He made the playoffs and he did a really good job that year. Yeah, no, I, I was short on running back for sure. That I was, I couldn't even tell you who was on my running back team. I think I was pulling people from waiver wire every couple of weeks. Uh, so I have to pay attention to running back this year, but Anyway, that's kind of uh, what our show is going to be about in a nutshell. We really want to focus on the divisional playoffs that happened a few days ago. And we're going to go through the game sequentially. I know we've had a a little bit of a write-up on our blog on $10sports.com. 10, like the word, T-E-N, dollarsports.com, for the latest information that we write on our blog. Uh, Let's go through all the games. I wanted to talk about Colts and Chiefs. Again, kind of a surprising, well, not really surprising. I, I think a few of these picks, at least in my opinion, I went with my heart instead of knowing better. Uh, and I couldn't believe the, the Chiefs' defense, Michael. Uh, that, I think that was unexpected. Everyone was talking up how the Colts' 10 out of 11 wins in their last 11 games. But the Chiefs' defense came to play at the pass rush was there. They, they had luck under duress most of the game. I mean, what, what did you see with the Chiefs defense coming coming out of nowhere? Yeah, Chiefs defense kind of surprised me a little bit. I, you know, I didn't pick the Colts to win this game. Um, but their win streak and Andrew Luck, you know, playing lights out the way he's been playing the past on 10, 11 weeks. So I definitely picked the Colts on this one. But Chiefs defense, um, their defense just came in like really strong. Uh, Justin Houston with the interior pass rush was just getting at the quarterback. I mean, you can see that Andrew Luck did not feel comfortable at all. I'm not sure if it was the weather or what it was for the offensive line, but the Chiefs' pass rush came in strong. I mean, it could have been the noise. I mean, Arrowhead is one of the toughest places to play. Maybe Luck could not change the play quick enough on the on the line. Another thing that wasn't really talked about that I was thinking about was also Andrew Luck's shoulder. I know he's missed a lot of time in the past with his shoulder. And, I mean, if you ever had any kind of – pain or aches or anything like that, you know when it gets really cold outside, it tends to kind of um, be a little bit aggravating. So I'm wondering if Luck's shoulder has something to do with that. 
Yeah, you're saying saying the 50 year old arthritis is coming out on luck already. <laughs> hey, that's a shoulder that he missed a whole year getting that shoulder replaced. Uh, not replaced, but a lot of surgery on it and getting through therapy. Um, the whole 2007 season, he wasn't there. So, I mean, it could be something flaring up. And I know we're looking at the quarterbacks, uh, probably two quarterbacks that we'll be following hopefully the next 10, 15 years uh, and hopefully seeing battles like this in the playoffs and in the regular season, uh, uh, Patty Mahomes and, and Andrew Luck. I mean, what was your take from their first playoff battle? Um, in this game, I mean, I think if this game was played in the film and ended up, this would have been a much different turnaround. Um, not saying that the Chiefs would have won, but I think it would have been a much closer game. Um, and it would have been more of a battle. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. There's not much you can really say. Um, Character-wise, arm-wise, I mean, the guy's got everything. He's got, he's got it all. I mean, there's not one bad thing you can say about Patrick Mahomes. Andrew Luck, I mean, he's a comeback player of the year. He definitely deserves to be in that MVP conversation. So these are two guys that, you know, I have a two-year-old son, and I know when he's, like, starting to watch football, twice five or seven, we'll definitely be watching these two guys <laughs> playing together, and it's going to be very exciting. And the league definitely has a bright future. I know you were talking about the weather maybe having an effect. You know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I, I had been monitoring the weather a few days before, and, and to be honest, I was kind of excited for the the potential of a kind of a winter wonderland kind of game. And I think that's what really, really had me taking the under. Uh, so do you really think the weather had that big of effect in this game? In this game, it wasn't, you know, the weather wasn't there as a uh, Arctic glass or a winter wonderland, but it was definitely cold. And I mean, the Colts are a dome team. And you, when you get out of your comfort zone, you go somewhere else and you're not used to it. I mean, I mean, I know we're jumping ahead here, but I mean, look at how the Chargers played in, uh, in New England. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the components of that, uh, it was really the difference in the rushing attack. I mean, I know Marlon Mack doesn't strike fear in uh, defenses quite yet, but I think Damian Williams' uh, performance was a little bit unexpected as well. Um, the Chiefs do have a very good offensive line. They're underrated. Um, but, yeah, the rushing attack for the Chiefs is a lot stronger. I mean, they had four rushing touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, that game. Um, I think the Colts came in there thinking that it was going to be a gunslinging game with Patrick Mahomes and they had to Tyreek Hill and to – um, Travis Chelsea, and, but the Chiefs, hey, we're going to run it, and we're going to keep running as long as it works, and they're not adjusting. Just keep running the ball. And again, that was a game that I think we both got wrong on the, the gambling aspect. I, I took the I think I took the over thinking it was going to be a shootout, and of course the Colts straight up. I think we both did. Yeah, we definitely both did, and we were both wrong on that one. And, oh, gosh. And, then, and the coach defense on that one, I mean, there were some plays out there where I don't think they knew what they were doing. Uh, sometimes I felt like they all were trying to do the bird box challenge on defense sometimes. <laughs> no, they, they absolutely, and even their offense at times looked just discombobulated. They just were not on the same page. Right. The second game of that day on Saturday, uh, kind of the one I was looking forward to, Cowboys and Rams. And I think the story that you have to talk about is 
where did C.J. Anderson come from? Uh, literally off the streets a few days ago, a few weeks before that game, and all of a sudden he rushes for over, I believe, over 130 yards in that game, along with Todd Gurley also being over 100 yards on, in, in that one. C.J. Anderson looks like a guy who's out in the stands, and you know the ranked senior quarterback, Sean McVay, walked up to the first guy he saw. He goes, hey, do uh, you know how to play football? And he had a, you know, a hot dog and a beer in his hand, and he goes, yeah, he's like, when's the last time you played? He said, I played in high school a couple times. He's like, all right, you're qualified. Come come out on the field. And <laughs> that's how he looked, but the guy played like a stud. I mean, rushing he, uh, <laughs> he had a very uh, Jerome Bettis-like uh, body figure going. <laughs> I was like, wow, CJ Anderson, haven't heard that name in a while. And he, I mean, he, I don't know if the Cowboys were prepared for it. They were just being run over left and right. I think it was over 275 total yards rushing by the Rams. Yeah, I think possibly also, you know, the uh, the Cowboys do have a great front seven. And I think that they probably thought with Todd Gurley, maybe not 100%, that the Rams were also going to try to do a pass attack as well. And I think that the Cowboys just didn't plan for this rushing attack with C.J. Anderson. And again, they just did not adjust just like the Colts. And... The Rams also have a, they have a very underrated offensive um, line because I think uh, Josh, Jared Goff, I think he's the 15th most sacked. So he's like um, kind of like halfway in the middle there. Sometimes he does hold up the ball a little bit longer than he should, which, you know, like any quarterback, you know, Dak normally typically do. But the, um, the Rams have a very underrated offensive line, and I think it's going to be a difference this week as well. Yeah, again, the. Difference in that game, a lot of that was the Rams rushing attack. And and Jared Goff didn't really have to play. I mean, it really only about 180 yards of passing, no touchdowns. Uh, you know, it, it just kind of when you think about those quarterbacks with uh, Dak and Goff being of the same generation or same era, if you will, I mean, do you consider them just game managers? Who do you think has the higher upside? For higher upside, definitely to think it's Jared Goff. I think he's got a great offensive mind coach. I mean, I mean, I mean, this game was you know a game where he wasn't utilized as much, but he can always make the throws. Go back, look into the game where he played against the Chiefs earlier this year. If that if he did not play lights out and throw the ball where it needed to be, the Rams have never won that game. Um, See, I don't I don't know if I agree with that because I feel that the game is changing to more of a Dak Prescott. Uh, even Lamar Lamar uh, Smith out in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar Jackson, yeah. So thank you. Uh, all sorts of Lamars in my head. Uh, where it's so important that your quarterback has the ability to run. I mean, are are we really moving away from the pocket passer? Uh, which I think I would put Goff in that category. No, I, I would not. I don't think the game is going really to a mobile quarterback. I mean, the way the wide receivers are protected. The way the quarterbacks are protected, I mean, you got to, I mean, a good quarterback can stay in that pocket and just sling it out because his receivers are very protected. He's protected. They're not scared as much as they used to be back like 10 years ago. Um, I mean, a good game manager is, you know, the ideal game manager, I'm going to say, is Russell Wilson. The guy can manage a game, but he can also take over the game. And that's just, you know, what Dak Prescott and what Lamar Jackson, you know, probably strive to be. But uh, for Dak Prescott right now, I'm giving him game manager status. Just because I don't think a team can win a game behind Dak Prescott, 
But I do. I'm a, I am a Dak Prescott fan. I do like him, and I hope they get a new offensive coordinator in there that can call the plays and you know, coach to his strengths. I mean, kind of transitioning uh, before we get fully into championship weekend. I mean, don't you think Jared Goff is a liability in the championship game? I, I just, if he is forced to perform, I, I don't know if he has it in him to go toe to toe with someone like Drew Brees or even the much improved New Orleans defense. I don't want to count. I don't want to count Jared Goff out. I think he's can make the throw. That he's a great up and coming quarterback. Um, it's hard to put him up. I mean, not many quarterbacks can go up against Drew Brees. I mean, he is a future Hall of Famer. He does hold pretty much every passing record in the NFL. So, I mean, going up against Drew Brees is hard to say that. But and especially playing in the Superdome where it's crazy loud. I mean, you and I have been to a Bucks game there, and we know how intense it can be there. I mean, it gets so loud and crazy in there that some quarterbacks tend to keep their fingers. Uh, so, again, this is another loser for me on my betting tickets. But I think you, you nailed this one. You, I think you had the over and the – oh, no, you, you were down on – you had Cowboys plus seven, and the Rams were just out of there. The Rams covered. Uh, so I think we were both losers on this one as well. Yeah, because the um, the Rams, I think it was 22 to 30. So Yeah, they covered the seven points. That's right. You had Cowboys plus seven. I took Rams plus seven. So I hit the Rams, but I had the, I think I had the under, I think it was 47 and a half. Of course, they covered. Moving over to our Sunday games, our AFC divisional uh, playoff game. And again, everyone's favorite pick, all of the talking heads and all of the experts thinking the Chargers were going to absolutely roll over the Patriots. And it was the exact opposite of that. And you and I were talking about this uh, before. I I couldn't believe it. I know you didn't get to watch the game as much as you wanted to. But to me, again, it was just amazing to watch the Patriots literally play a perfect game, Uh, maybe one or two penalties. But again, Tom Brady, surgical, had all the time in the world to throw tore them apart uh i just i think the first question is is this sustainable against what looks like to be an improved kansas city defense and if it is i mean can he keep this going at the age of 40 41 i mean brady does not look like he's aged a bit going back to 10 years ago to go back 15 years ago to playoff games i mean brady's just a different animal when it comes to the playoffs um, the play calling the Game preparation, I mean, Bill Belichick just knows how to do this better than any other coach. I mean, it's just amazing the way to do it, and I think it is sustainable as um, going into this playoff run because one of the things Bill Belichick does and the Patriots do is they're always going to take away your best weapon every single time. And I think what the Patriots took away from the Chargers was they took away that Joey Bosa and uh, Melvin Ingram pass rush. Um, they could not get oh, absolutely. Where, where where were they? Uh, I didn't. I don't even think I heard Joey Bosa's name in the broadcast. Couldn't get to him. Um, if they were blitzing hard like that, he's just going to dump it out to Sony Michelle or James White. I mean, Brady was scheming the ball so fast they had no time to pass rush him. And, and you know, it's funny you bring those names up because I think the New England rushing game, or even their 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 uh, running back uh, staff or running back. Uh, compliment if you will I think they're very underrated I mean Sony Michelle I think underappreciated uh, not only in fantasy but even just as a player on New England uh, wh- what do you think about that um, they're both actually definitely very good um, 
fantasy running backs. I mean, one of them, they when healthy, they could put up over 15, 20 points a week. Um, what they do for the Patriots is they're just, they're like, they're basically receivers that play running back and they can do it all. Uh, Brady, they buy Brady so much time. They save Brady because if Brady doesn't see something downfield, he's just going to dump it to one of them. Very good pass catchers. I mean, they, you're 100% right. They are very underappreciated in the value they have. What they bring to that team is you know, very undescribable. I think uh, you and I are both big uh, listeners to sports talk radio. And some of the biggest debates that have been going on is, you know, is Brady declining or, you know, is this the end of the road for Brady? Uh, and we've been, you have a game, you have a game like that. And it's like, I, I, he could play for another five years. We, the thing about Brady declining is something we've been talking about. Well, not we, but sports people on TV and radio, they've been talking about this for the past 10 years. Is Brady declining? Is he showing weaknesses? Is he slowing down? Is his arm strength down? And you know what? Eventually they're going to be right. I mean, there, there is going to be, <laughs> there is going to come a time where they're going to, yeah. and they're right. Because if you, if you say it enough, it'll eventually happen over time, right? Yeah. So when he's like 45 and is that when it happens, they're going to be like, hey, man, see, I told you. I've been telling you this guy is declining. Like, hey, for the past 10 years, I mean, obviously anyone's going to decline <laughs> over time. But the way he's playing at this age is, is just, I mean, no one's ever done it before as well. He's the oldest guy to win MVP. Um, and you know what? Another person who's 40 years old is Drew Brees. Drew Brees is 40 years That's, old. Yeah. I, I think a, a couple days ago this week, he uh, he hit his 40th birthday. So a uh, potential Super Bowl matchup of uh, matchup of the 40-year-olds. I don't know if that's ever happened. No, I, I don't think it ever has. I don't think there's been a starting quarterback at 40 years old. I have to look back at my stats. But, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. just impressive. These two guys played at this high level. It just, you know, it just shows that these quarterbacks are protected more than other quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it the supplements they're taking? Is there is it what they're eating? Uh, we don't know what it is, but whatever it is, give me some of it. I think it's the rules. You, you can't even land on them anymore without getting a flag. Like the rules are helping them out. You can even make a funny face at them and you get a flag. <laughs> uh, immediate flag. Uh, you know, the, the other quarterback, a lot of the attention went to Tom Brady and his performance, but his counterpart, uh, a lot was being said about uh, Philip Rivers going into this game and, and what his legacy is if he wins or if he loses. And I, I don't know. I, I'm still kind of confused. Uh, you know, I like his moxie. I like I, I like him getting in the face of his players. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, he, he's a San Diego and Los Angeles Charger who really hasn't gotten past, gotten into the championship game. I mean, what are your thoughts on Philip Rivers and, and where his legacy ends up as he's getting to the end of his career? <sighs> this, is, this is a tough one for me. Uh, Philip Rivers, I don't know what it is about him. He's always a guy I never won on my fantasy team. <laughs> Even though he does perform well, he does have, you know, good years. And usually as a top-team quarterback, I never won the guy on the team. I no, I mean, I think that was the same way this year. I'm like, why would I want Philip Rivers? I didn't even think the Chargers were going to be that great this year. I know that they were one of your kind of sleeper picks, uh, so good on you. But I, I didn't even, other than Melvin Gordon, I don't think I wanted a Charger on my team. Yeah, they were my preseason Super Bowl pick. Um, I think they have a great balance of offense and defense. I mean, I think they're, if I'm not mistaken, probably top 10 on both, or at least top 15 on both. I mean, they have a very good defense. They have a good offense. Uh, 
and I just thought they were one of the most well-balanced teams in the NFL and had the ability. But when I knew that they were traveling over to Foxborough and playing the Saints in the code and going up, not the Saints, I'm sorry, the Patriots, and going up against Belichick and Brady in Foxborough in January, as much as I wanted the Chargers to win and I wanted um, the Rivers to get this ring, I knew that they were not going to win. And that's why I took the over, and I also took the, um, the Patriots minus four on this one. Yeah, so you, you would have won some money on that one. I, of course, took the Chargers straight up on the money line, and uh, I think I took the over, so I hit the over, but uh, I think I parlayed that one, so that didn't work out very well for me. Uh, so, again, we'll, we'll, we'll see where the Chargers end up next season, uh, see where Phillip Rivers ends up. Here, but going back to Phillip Rivers, um, would you yeah. – for his legacy, would you would you make saying he's comparable to like a Dan Marino? Never had a if he doesn't end up with the ring. Yeah, yeah. Dan Marino. Uh, mm. That's tricky. It's there. It's just different eras and different rules. I, I guess so. Uh, I think what frustrates me is. He, He's just he's just like a chihuahua, you know. You always see him getting in his teammates' faces, and it's like I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes it's too intense, and like I know he loves the game, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, he part of the problem was his performance as well. He he wasn't on his game against the Patriots, and to the their defense's credit, they stepped up. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm still torn. I, I don't even. I would really have to look at stats to even say that Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. I, I just don't know. I, I He doesn't have the wins to back it up, and, and especially the playoff wins. I know the Chargers have been kind of a weird, mediocre franchise for a while. Their ownership isn't the greatest. But I mean, is he a Hall of Famer at the, the end of the day? That's, that's a question that I'm always debating with some people. It's, is he one? I mean, part of me wants to say yes, but at the same time, I, I mean, the, can't win the big games. And, you know, part of being in the Hall of Fame is, you know, winning in January and February. But, like, I mean, he's had some regular, great regular season, um, season, but it's had like a bunch of 12 win seasons. But yeah, if you're not going to win the big game, I mean, I mean, do you really deserve it? I mean, I, and the other part is, I don't, I have to look at the record books. I don't think he's, a record. I mean, I know it probably holds every passing record for Chargers possibly, but NFL-wise, where does he rank among the greats, and where does he stand against them in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and all that stuff? Yeah, I would agree with you there. Uh, it's very rare that you hear that uh, Philip Rivers is breaking a record. It's always Tom Brady. It's always Drew Brees that is breaking the the latest record set by either Favre or Manning or. Or, or some other you know, quarterback of the the former era. Yeah, but one thing he does have is the best ability, and the best ability is availability. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think uh, Phil Rivers has ever missed a start in his career. Yeah, you know that that's a great point. You don't really hear about Philip Rivers being injured. Uh, you know, it, when you compare that to the next game, we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, Wentz, who seems to be injured all the time, as we get into the. Eagles and Saints game, the last game of the divisional weekend. And I'll be honest with you, I tuned in late, had a few uh, family chores to do, you know, those price to pay to, to be able to watch football weekend. I tuned in and I, I couldn't believe it was 14-0 Eagles. I, I was panicking because, of course, I took the Saints and the over. Uh, 
But seeing 14 nothing, I'm like, wow, this is typical. Uh, this is exactly how my weekend's going. Uh, how, did, how did you feel seeing the Eagles take that early lead? Yeah, I was actually at a, at a shopping mall, and I was pushing my kid on stroller trying to watch this game. And I tuned in and saw 14 nothing. I was just kind of like, wow, are you serious? How are the Eagles going I got this absolutely wrong. <laughs> when they are in the Mercedes-Benz Thunderdome, um, Superdome, how are they winning right now? Where's Where are the fans? <laughs> where is Drew Brees? Where is the defense? Where is the offense? What is going on here? I like, went through this and oh man, it was it was definitely definitely a shock when I saw that score off the bat. And I was, it, you know, and when we kind of think about it, I know you, we've we've talked about this. Is it really surprising though? I think it, maybe it's us playing the the law of averages, but I mean the Saints haven't looked that great probably in over a month. They didn't play their starters the last week or two, but even before then, uh, they've looked very, very, very basic on defense or excuse me on offense, uh, and, and even losing a few games they probably shouldn't have lost. Yeah, with the Saints. Um... In the first half, they were playing lights out. The first eight games, they were averaging 35 points a game. Man. They just they were an unstoppable force. Um, the second half of the season, they started averaging 28 points a game. So the last last eight games, they averaged 28 points. I mean, they did play some pretty bad defenses, such as um, Cincinnati and that. And they also did have that blowout game against the, the Eagles, um, I think week 12, I'm not mistaken. But, um, but other than those two games, they just had – they weren't firing all cylinders. It's like they took a step back. I'm not sure what happened compared to the first eight weeks um, of that game. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't have been surprising if you look at the analytics and the stats based on how they played the past eight games. But at the same time, I mean, they were at home. I mean, they were all rested up. Um, you know, you had Sean uh, – Sean Payton come in with the Lombardi Trophy and $225,000 worth of cash into the locker room. So you would think these guys were fired up, but it took them a while. I guess they, that bye week definitely, you know, made them a little bit too relaxed and you had to wake back up from it. Yeah, so you were too, uh, too relaxed. I guess, uh, maybe the players were feeling relaxed, but Sean Payton's play calling, definitely not on the relaxed side. Uh, how did you feel about the fake punt? Uh I, I couldn't believe it was happening, especially I think they were on like their own 35 and all of a sudden uh, Taysom Hill uh, takes one up the middle and converts the first down. I'd say that was the play of the game. Uh, it really got their offense going. I don't, I don't know if it got them to believe in themselves. Uh, and that's really where, when I felt that the game started rolling in their favor. No, that play is an example of what great coaching, great preparation and film study, and we know when you put in the work, that's the play that you're going to know. And the reason I say that is... Yeah, but, but how about if that goes badly, though? I mean, is that are we still having that same conversation about great coaching? Yeah, I'm going to tell you why. Um, Fletcher Cox, he sits out on these plays. I mean, he's lined up, but he doesn't play. Like, if you go back and look at the video against the Bears, look at any time they set a punt formation, as soon as the ball is hiked, he basically just stands there. Sean Payton knew that, and that was not the first punt of the game. He kept an eye on it after the, the couple of punts they did earlier in the game, and they saw that every time they punted, he just stood there, was not playing. He was just basically, quote-unquote, sitting out the play. And they knew that they had it, and they decided to run the ball. 
I mean, if that was the anomaly play where Fletcher Cox says, hey, I'm going to play this play. This is the play I play. And then, yeah, that could have, been, that could have turned around. You know, the way he's been lined up, they had a 14-point lead. Or uh, was it 14? Was it 7 at that point? But they did have the lead and, you know, Fletcher Cox. Yeah, I think it was 14. Yeah, Fletcher Cox knew, hey, I'm just going to sit out this play like I've been doing pretty much all season long. And that was just an example of, you know, studying the film and, you know, just knowing the other team better than you know than they know themselves. And they call that play to me that was genius. It was slightly ballsy, I'm not going to lie, but it was just, it just shows the film work and preparation that Drew Brees, um, Sean Payne puts into playing into these games. Of course, the Saints coming out on top of that one. Uh, I think that one of the big questions of the weekend is, you know, is this the end of Foles magic out in Philadelphia? Uh, you know, a couple ideas of where his final destination may be. Do they trade him? Do they keep him for one more year? And I mean, ultimately, doesn't this turn up the pressure on Carson Wentz? Uh, you know, basically having to follow, you know, almost a, a legend in Philadelphia, taking them to the Super Bowl and winning it. Uh, and someone who's going to be more than likely leaving the team just so that he can continue on as the quarterback of the future. What are, what are your thoughts on that? This is one of those talks that I just kind of kind of over. I mean, it's like I've been saying and I've said on Twitter. I mean, it's Carson Wentz is the future team. He is the better quarterback. He makes the better throws. He's he's just a more talented quarterback overall. I mean, if you go back uh, to Week One and Two, uh, Nick Foles. I think they barely beat the Falcons Week One, and it was a terrible performance by both teams. I don't know how they won that one. And then Week Two, he lost to the Buccaneers. I mean, it's just, it, he's, he's, a, he's a great quarterback when it comes to playoffs, but you have to be able to make the playoffs. And with Nick Foles there, they're not a, a 10, 11-win team to get into the playoffs. Carson Wentz gets them there every time. He just thrives in the playoffs. I can't explain why. I mean, that is part of the Foles magic. And Carson Wentz is on his rookie contract. I mean, so, I mean, the team could afford to pay both quarterbacks because I think Carson Wentz stands to make, like, less than a million dollars next year. Where they can pay Nick Foles twenty million and have both quarterbacks for twenty one, um, but I mean the teams to do. I think Nick Foles said that he definitely wants to lead a team and he wants to be a leader of a team. Um, and I just think the best thing is for you know the Eagles to thank him for his services and let him move on somewhere and let him go win you know six or seven games with another team somewhere. You know, six or seven games might be welcomed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, Jacksonville Jaguars, I definitely did hear. I mean, you definitely do need a quarterback. I mean, there's been some interest there. Um, Miami's in need of a quarterback as well. I'm not sure which route Miami's going to go. I mean, because I, from what I've been um, hearing. Is Tannehill out or you think he's cut or does he have time left on his contract? Because I've been hearing that also, but uh, I'm not sure of the contract status of Ryan Tannehill. I think his guaranteed money portion is gone, so they can cut him and walk away free. And uh, from what I've been reading, I think they're going to part ways. Uh, we'll see what new coaches get in there and what he wants to go with. But I think the Dolphins are trying to tank. I think they really want to. Uh, <laughs> so I don't really see much movement there on Dolphins. All right. Let's transition over to championship weekend. Probably some of the, the best slate of championship games we've had in a while. Uh, both one and two seeds from each conference. Uh, we'll start with the Rams and Saints, who are the early game on Sunday. It's kind of interesting that these two games feature 
the best oldest quarterback in his conference versus the best young quarterback in their conference. And yeah, Jay. no, that, that's a great that's a great point. And I, I I think I was seeing some statistics today that it's actually the top four offenses uh, are the final four standing as well. Yeah, top four scoring offenses as well. So as we're looking as the Rams go into Mercedes Superdome, we've both been to the Superdome and just for a regular season game, it's, it's an amazing atmosphere. I can't imagine what that's going to be for championship weekend. Uh, It's going to be insane. I mean, these fans are going to come in there. They're going to be so loud. I mean, it's going to be a nightmare for Ottawa and for um, you know, Jared Goff kind of plays on the line, so he's definitely going to be prepared, and they're definitely have a game plan for this. Yeah. And I know they've already been been appealing out to fans on Twitter to be loud at all times. So, again, I, what I'm calling dome field advantage, I think it, it's interesting. We're looking at the betting lines that we'll talk about in our next segment. Uh, basically, they're calling the game a pick em, uh, with the Saints at at uh, minus three, usually they'll give you three points for being the uh, home field advantage. I mean, uh, I just don't know. I just think it's such a big factor uh, playing in a dome versus being outside where it may not get as loud. Uh, I mean, you've been there. What, what, what do you think? I mean, I definitely think it's going to be loud. Fans are come in and they're going to, you know, scream their tails off, try to, you know, throw some offsides and some. Uh, ball starts there for the Rams. Um, but with the, I mean, it's definitely a home field advantage. But I still, I'm still, for this game here, I, I, I'm i really torn who's going to win this game. I mean, the way the Saints, you know, they, their offense has been playing lately. I mean, they definitely do have a good uh, pass rush and good defensive line. And I just I just don't know if it's going to be enough. Uh, is Jared, I'm just not sure which way to go this game. I mean, I'll tell you my picks here. When we get to it, but this is going to be a really good game. One of those. I mean, do you think the rushing performance is repeated again? I mean, I think C.J. Anderson doesn't run for a hundred plus yards again, but do you think that that running game is is sustainable again? That you think they rush for over two hundred yards again? <sighs> I, I don't think they both running backs will offer a hundred. Um, yards apiece. I mean, I mean the running game can play a factor. I mean, like I've been saying, the Rams do have a very underrated um, offensive line. I mean, they, you know that offensive line of theirs had zero Pro Bowlers on it. Yeah, no, the zero Pro Bowlers for sure. And the Rams had three offensive linemen make the Pro Bowl. I mean, not the Rams, sorry, the Saints had three offensive linemen that made the Pro Bowl. So, I mean, I think that's definitely the fact of those um, Rams offensive linemen's heads. I mean, they give up they do a very good job. I mean, the Rams, Gurley has been a force this year. Um, CJ Anderson passed two weeks. I mean, and you got to remember, given that the Saints do have a great defensive line, I, in my opinion, I believe the Cowboys have the better front seven. If they were able to do it to the Cowboys, I mean, there's no reason they wouldn't go through to the Saints, even though I don't think it's going to happen. But I still think that, you know, Todd Gurley would definitely get his yards. CJ Anderson would be held in check a little bit more this game. So let's say that the Saints shut down the running game. Uh, I still think Jared, you can't trust Jared Goff to win a game. I think it's more so, is Jared Goff going to lose me this game versus is he going to win me this game? I mean, I'm, on, I'm pro Jared Goff, so I think he's got to, he can make throws. I think he can do it. 
if the offensive line field in a few seconds. Um, the only thing he's going to want to do is stay away from the outside with Marcus Lattimore. Marcus Lattimore is a very good shutdown corner. Uh, he'll definitely want to aim towards the middle of the field. I think that the um, Saints, you know, their safeties are decent. Um, and I think their linebacking core is meh. So Jared Goff just needs to focus on the middle of the field. That's where he's going to get some most yards and completions at. All right. And then uh, our picks for this game, uh, who did you pick? <sighs> so, you know, this one was a very tough one for me to pick. Um, definitely going with the over on this one. This is going to be two great offenses. I mean, you got both Sean's. You got the young Sean versus the, uh, the old Sean, a head coach, and they're going to pull out everything out of their bag to, you know, try to one-up each other on offensive play calling. So I'm definitely looking forward to the offensive play calling this game. Uh, but this is going to be like a, like a shoot comes up. It's going to be like 30, 40 points by each team. It's whichever one can, I guess, break 40 probably in this game. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Rams minus three on this one. I mean, plus no, you know what? The Rams are a plus three. I'm going to take the Rams on the money line on this one. Okay. So Rams straight up for you. I think I'm going to take the Saints uh, just to be my winning pick. And as we get into our gambling picks, I'll let you know uh, if I'm going to take them money line or if I'm going to take them on the spread. I think the Saints pull this game off. I, I think they've got their offense going. I just... I wasn't impressed by the Rams. I, I, I think other than that aberration of a running attack, you know, if that didn't happen, I think that's a closer game of the Cowboys. And I think they potentially lose that game, especially with Ezekiel Elliott not playing his best game as well. Uh, I just don't think they repeat that, that uh, effort. And I think that Jared Goff is still a liability. So we'll move over to the Patriots and Chiefs game. Chris, before, we move on, uh, before we move on, yeah, yeah. Last time these two guys played, another the uh, Saints went ahead and beat them. I believe it was by winning a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was a high score game in the 40s. Um, but one thing that the Rams did not have that they will have this week against the Saints is a keep to lead. Ever since the to lead came back to that defense, he's made a big difference in the secondary unit. And I think he is the key player of this game. If, a keep to lead shut down or hold Mike Thomas in check. That's going to be the difference of this game. Yeah. That, you know, that's someone we didn't talk about and I know we don't have much time to talk about him, but Michael Thomas, absolute beast, uncoverable. And I think a keep to leave hopefully is up to that challenge. I'm still mad at a keep to leave about last week, the most unnecessary pass interference in the end zone at the end of that game that I've ever seen, uh, resulting in Dak Prescott running it in for a yard to put them at the over. So I'm still mad at him about that, but undeniably one of the best corners in the game. And hopefully we'll see him and Michael Thomas match up. Now I'll go over to this Patriots game that I made us take a step back on, but um, this Patriots game moves. Um, you're over in Arrowhead Stadium. Um, temperature still around like around the 20s to 30 degrees. Not that Arctic glass or one to winter land as they would predict it to be. What um what are your thoughts on um this Chiefs defense? Do you think they're sustainable and be able to hold the Colts in check? Like, well, you know, I don't know. I, I think both defenses just over throughout the whole year have been suspect. I think both defenses overachieved in the divisional round. I, it's going to be interesting to see if they can repeat this performance or if we're going to we're going to have a shootout. And I think I'm going to be picking the over 
on this one because even despite the weather, I think they're going to avoid the Arctic blast of, you know, negative five degrees or whatever is going on in Minnesota right now by a couple days. I, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think both defenses are going to be suspect to potentially the two best quarterbacks in the league, if not the AFC for sure. Yeah. And one thing is here, I mean, the Patriots on, you know, facing against uh, the Chiefs, Chiefs exterior pass rush on the outside. is not that strong. And, you know, whenever, uh, you know, defensive ends on the outsides are strong, that's when, you know, Tom Brady can carve them up like he did against Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa with the little, you know, screens to the receivers. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be critical to, to, to have pass rush. I think it's helpful that uh, the Chiefs are at home. I, I think that'll help Absolutely. Uh, counteract that, uh, uh, the, the carving of the defense, if you will, with a little bit of, distraction going on with the crowd and hopefully uh, being able to be really that 12th man for for the Chiefs. And though I've never been Arrowhead, I hear Arrowhead is the loudest game in the NFL. So, I mean... Yeah, it is like 50 years old. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's, I'm sure they built that thing just like the old stadiums, uh, Philadelphia and all them, to keep the sound in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very tough place to play. Um, Defense-wise, I mean, you know Belichick's going to take out their best weapons. I mean, he's probably going to focus on taking out Todd Kelsey and or Tyreek Hill. So it's going to be up to the other players uh, to really step up this game. Um, yeah, I mean, that kind of gets us to the run- respective running games for each team. Uh, like you said, Belichick's an expert at taking away uh, the strengths of the other team. Uh, I know earlier we talked about both Damian Williams and Sonny Michel. Uh, which running game do you think comes out on top? This is going to be a tough one. I mean, it's so far very identical. I mean, they can both run the ball. They can both throw the balls on the screen. They got both have really good catch. Um, I mean, pass catching running backs. So, I mean, it's, it's a very similar defense. I mean, not defense, uh, offensive scheme that they can both run. Uh, however, the Chiefs do have much faster players. I mean, I think they got five players that run four, six or faster on the offense with the receivers, including Todd Kelsey. So um, how Belichick's could contain all that speed, uh, not too sure. But I believe that it's it's definitely going to be a, uh, a very interesting game to watch and see how these two, these two match up against each other. And of course, the big X factor for both teams, the quarterback play. We have Tom Brady of the old generation and Patrick Mahomes coming in uh, second year in the leagues. Really, really his rookie season, uh, his first year starting. Uh, Again, I think we can't speak enough about Tom Brady's effect of the game on the game itself, but do you think this is the changing of a guard? Do you think this is kind of Tom Brady ushering out uh, himself and, and Patty Mahomes coming in and, and taking the mantle over as potentially the best quarterback in the league in the next couple of years. Yeah. If, you know, if he wants to be the best quarterback in the league, you got to take out the current best. Um, so is he going to be throwing Tom Brady? Um, this, no, I think if he throws Tom Brady, I think all the MVP talk is over. It's definitely Patty Mahomes MVP of this league. And of course, our pick for for this one, I, I'm taking the Chiefs uh, to win at home. Uh, I think they pull it off. I think the New England offense, even though they've been challenged all week by being the underdog, I know they've been rallying behind that. I think the Chiefs finally break that 
Arrowhead curse. They get to the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. Uh, and that's my pick. I think it's going to be the Chiefs. Um, I, Tom Brady, I think he's had a couple of um, rough games at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, I'll have to look back up to see what his record is, but I think at Arrowhead Stadium, they might have possibly even have a losing record at Arrowhead Stadium. But um, I, I just can't. It's As much as I want to choose the Chiefs, I can't, just like last week, I can't count out Brady, I can't count out Belichick. And weather conditions is what Brady's used to playing in, so... This is like playing at home for him. It's not like he plays in the dome or plays down in Miami. He's going to go play cold weather. He's used to this cold weather. He strives in this cold weather. So um, my pick is the Patriots of this one. All right. Mike taking the Patriots. Moose taking the Chiefs. And I think on another game, Mike was taking the Rams. And I'm taking the Saints. So we'll see who's right in our next episode. going to close up tonight with our gambling picks. The $10 parlay, of course, home of the $10 parlay is $10 sports. Let's look at Rams and Saints. I think, Mike, you said earlier you're going to take the Rams plus three. I think they're up to three and a half now. I haven't put my bets in yet. Uh, so what, what's your pick with the spread or if you're going to go money line? Uh, for this one, I'm you know I'm not going to take the plus three because this is definitely a game that's with the touchdown. In my opinion, uh, you know, knowing how much these guys are going to not going to be many field goals kicked this game. These are high-powered offenses. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Rams on the money line, and I'm going to take the over. Ooh, okay. See, I have the opposite. I'm going to go – I think the Saints win by, by more than the spread, which is right now three and a half. So I'm going to take Saints minus 3.5. Right now, it's paying even money right on the spread. And I think I'm going to take the under 57. Uh, I think their defense has come to play, and I'm going to parlay that together. Right now, it's paying $28 for every 10 you bet. Uh, so on a $10 parlay, you're looking at winning 28. Might go up to 20 on that one to get up to, to 56 or so. Um, another bet that I was looking at is a teaser bet. And I like the teasers. It's a kind of a safe way. Uh, to make a little bit less money than you would. Uh, essentially, you buy a few points. So if you look at a teaser with picking the Saints, you're looking at New Orleans plus 2.5 and under 63, and that's paying at uh, minus 120. So, of course, for every 100 you bet, for every 120 you bet, you win 100. So I just want to throw that out there for any of our listeners that that like the teaser game. Moving on to Patriots-Chiefs. Uh, Odds on Bovada are still at three, uh, Chiefs minus three. My pick is Chiefs minus three. I'm going to go ahead and take them with the spread. And I, Right now, the over-under went up to 56, and I'm going to take the over on that. And I'm going to parlay that. Right now, that parlay is paying 26.10 for every $10 you bet. Mike, what do you have on that one? On this one, um, you know, it's very hard when I saw that the Patriots were the underdogs in this one, it really uh, caught me off guard. I mean, the Patriots are, this is their eighth straight AFC championship game. Yeah, but I think, like we were talking about earlier, I think it's just their Vegas is building in home field advantage, and they always do that. They give the home team that th- those three points. So I, even both of these games are essentially pick-ems. No, I get that, but, I mean, this is Andy you got to consider Amy Reid's playoff record. I mean, Mahomes still a young quarterback in his first playoff game, even though he looks outstanding. Still still very mature. I mean, not very mature, but still very young and still 
<sighs> still not just, just his first game. Um, you know, this is like a as many times as Brady and Belichick has played, this this is almost like a regular season game for them. This is like week three to them playing in the AFC Championship game. So I'm taking the Patriots on the money line, and I am taking the over on this one because I think whichever team hits 35 points first is going to be the team to win this game. Great. And then, uh, again, looking at teasers for this one, uh, again, if you're taking the six points, you'll get KC plus three. And if you're playing the over, that goes up to that comes down to over 49 and a half or 50 right now. And that's, again, paying at minus 120. And now it's time for the $10 parlay. We have a few picks for that one. And I know I've shared what I think my picks are going to be with you. Uh, two options. If you look at the money lines, so if you go Saints money line, under that 57 Chiefs on the money line and then over the 56 right now it's paying 87.50 for every $10 you bet so on a $10 parlay you could potentially win almost $88 if you just pick the Saints straight up Chiefs straight up and under for the Saints game and over for the Chiefs game but if you go to the spread so if you take Saints minus 3.5 with the under 57 and the chiefs at minus three with their over 55, that's paying almost $130 for every 10 that you wager. Mike, what do you, what do you think about that? Hey, I mean, that's, it's a lot of reward for, uh, for, uh, for a low amount of money, um, you know, 10 bucks. And that's why we call ourselves $10 sports. Cause you know, most of our bets could be rounded around $10 and, you know, this is something that- yeah we're not making a living off this <laughs> this is kind of a recreational thing for us uh, uh just a ten dollar parlay i wish i had hundreds of dollars to throw at stuff uh but you know the we're doing bets just for the every man uh ten dollars here ten dollars there just for the fun of and it also i think guys don't always remember to gamble responsibly you know and a ten dollars is something that's responsible you know it's makes the games more interesting makes it more fun and you know kind of gives the game a little bit more rush going so I- you know what it really does uh, and I didn't really you know I've dabbled in sports gambling but it was really amazing to be cheering to watch the entire uh, great examples last week or the week before it was a Seahawks Cowboys game and when the Seahawks converted that two-point conversion I almost cried because I, I lost the under on that one and almost the same thing with the Cowboys Rams when uh when Dak Prescott ran in that touchdown, I was like, come on, that's unbelievable. Uh, you know, normally I'd be like, all right, cool. I guess that game's over, but really putting even just $10 on a game really increases your interest in it. Oh, big time, big time. And then wanted to look at the $10 teaser again, uh, kind of a safer way to play it and buying six points. Uh, you can do saints plus 2.5 under the 63, and then Chiefs plus three over 49 and a half. I think that's up to 50 now. And that's actually playing paying plus 260. So for every every 10, you're winning 26. That might be a, a pretty safe way to put some more money if you have it. Uh, if you get up get that up to 50 bucks, you're looking at winning 130. Uh, and I'd say those those point values are pretty doable. Uh, Saints within 2.5 and even Chiefs at plus three. I think under 63 is a pretty safe bet. Over 49 and a half seems like a pretty safe bet as well for the Chiefs-Patriots game. We've gotten to the end of our podcast. Wow, I can't believe we've been 
on this for almost an hour, Mike. Can you believe that? Uh, whatever happened, uh, or 30 minutes. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, every, we were reading on how to do a podcast. Like, hey, don't let your episodes go over 10, 15 minutes for the first couple times. You know, we, we love sports. We can go back and forth. We, we've done it our whole lives. Uh, so we're really excited hitting the hour mark here. Uh, so we just want to close up. I think next week, of course, we'll grade our picks, how we did, how we didn't do. Uh, hopefully we won some money and hopefully you guys did as well. We'll have our Super Bowl matchup set up by then. So we'll have our all too early Super Bowl preview. Uh, some of the opening lines, we'll go over that. We want to throw in some hockey and NBA talk. I know we ignored that this week. Uh, Tampa Lightning on an incredible run. Uh, actually had their first loss at home in nine games last night against the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's been some great NBA action. Uh, is LeBron back yet? I know he had a groin injury. Yeah, he's still uh, sideline. He's still out. Uh, I think uh, I heard Boogie Cousins is back today, uh, back in the lineup, so we're excited for that. Uh, a couple teams... Uh, the Houston Rockets have kind of turned it on. I mean, James Harden uh, scoring 50 in consecutive games. Uh, It's been lights out, but I think we'll have to talk about it next week. I mean, he's just such a selfish guy. It's just, it's always about James Harden. He takes the shots and his assist numbers aren't up there. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, NBA, how we feel about James Harden. If, if, you know, MVP material, Maybe is he a team player material? That's another question, right? And also to keep our eyes out on um, this MLB free agency signing. It's been a very slow uh, free agency. We got yeah, that's true. We got, two guys we got some t- two big names out there. Uh, we got Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. Um, you know, five years ago these guys would be swiped off the first day of free agency. And, I mean, even last year, I mean, baseball free agency has been slowed down. I mean, I guess teams are just not seeing their value. But you know what? Let's get into that next week. But, you know, we'll have an update where they're at and where they may go. And, of course, it's never too early to start your fantasy football scouting. I think one of the first thoughts I had was I I may have to take Travis Kelsey in the top five of my draft, kind of taking the mantle away from Gronkowski, who's in the decline. I mean, do you think – just quickly, do you think Kelsey's worth a top five pick? Hey, you always got – when you draft somebody like Kelsey or like what Gronk was in his prime or even like a um, Zach Ertz, you got to remember, you got to take your mind out of them being tied in. Those guys are number one receivers. So when you get one of those three on your team, you are getting a number three, number one receiver on your team. Yeah, that's a great point, Mike. And with that, let's bring our first episode to a close. He's Mike Embrod Rodriguez. I'm Josh the Moose Rivera. It's been $10 Sports. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. And our Twitter followers, if, hey, if you guys have any questions, you guys want to engage with us, kind of not sure what to pick or got any questions, hey, you know, if you sit up on Twitter, we'd be more than happy to respond. Yeah, and that's at $10 Sports with the digits. sports on Twitter and then visit us on our blog and website 10 like the word T-E-N dollarsports.com we will see you next week have a great week and good luck